Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now Last week, Brandon and Jason, heroes, my mind to the Commonwealth at home, as a whole, worthy of praise from every corner of the British Empire. Brandon and Jason talking about a film that is very near and dear to my heart. That film, whose fires were started, about the efforts of the auxiliary fire service. During the Blitz, 1940-1941. By Joe, what a group of fellows and ladies. It saved this nation on the brink from burning down, even as our boys in the sky and our fellows in the ships and our men on the ground defended us every single day. And this week, Brendan and Jason, Commonwealth heroes, both of them, talk about a movie that connects to this in the sense that it is also about young people doing things that young people do. But in 1943, that was fighting fires. And in 1981, in Scotland, that is fighting boners. Wow. Yes, I said it. But it's true. You know it to be true. Search your feelings. You know it to be true. For now, I shall leave you to enjoy their discussion of this fine film. And I leave you with the words of the great homosexual poet Oscar Wilde, who once said, The only thing worse than being talked about is not being talked about. That old fruit salad was onto something. God bless Britain. God save the Queen. And maybe we defeat the German war machine by 1957. Good night. Wow, wow. Yes, wow, thank Jason. You. Thank you, Prime was Minister. Was that Gary Oldman? No, that was actually the guy. That was that was an amazing impression. Wow, great to see what, Gary no, Oldman That here. was the actual guy. The the guy. Yeah, no, Gary Oldman's still alive, and we only rarely have people that are still alive. Oh, that Gary was a... Oldman's also hard to have as a guest because he doesn't have much of a discernible personality, mm. uh, other than being kind of kind of grumpy. So that was his. Um, so that was the real character he played in Leon the Professional. Sure. Oh wow! Yeah, so I crazy. Guess, yeah. He sounds just like Winston Churchill. Yeah, I know. It's, it's weird. <laughs> Jason, we're both shirtless. 
It's very hot today, and I walked eight kilometers to get to your house, and I was very sweaty. And, and we're you, both, you know, we're having a sexy day. I guess so. So <laughs> just take that into account. And maybe you should, uh, fellas, if you're listening, take your shirt off too. Ladies, you're welcome to. Yeah. But, I mean, you know. Be a lot better if you did. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. And that segues great into this week's movie. Yeah, on no, this it podcast. Does no, it doesn't. Kinda. <laughs> this is a podcast called For Screen and Country. And I'm Brendan. And I'm Jason. And we are shirtless. Yeah, still. And we are going to talk about a movie on the British Film Institute Top 100 British Films of All Time list. Yes. As composed in the year 1999, which is what we do on this podcast almost every week. Almost every single week. Yeah. Except yeah. when we don't. Except when we don't, we switch it up because we're funny jerks. We, we like to mix it up. We don't want to get stale. Yeah. We got to keep it fresh. Fresh. Keep them coming back every week for more. And maybe they don't know what they're going to get. Or maybe they do. And that's why they like us. If we're, we're like the, I don't know, the Big Mac of podcasts. <laughs> I'll, sure. I'll take it. Okay. I'd like to be the Whopper of podcasts if that's okay <sighs> with you. Yeah, I think that's okay. Uh, Burger King sucks, but Whopper's pretty tasty. Oh, I'm talking about the chocolate. Oh, oh, no. No, fuck yes. you, fuck you. Point of contention. Go back to Christmas Whoppers, and I don't want to even see you then. <laughs> so that's what we do on this show. We talk about chocolate and British films. Oh, yes. Um, but we, we, yes, we, 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 we talk about British films on the top 100 list of all time. And that's what we're doing this week. We're going to talk about, in a second here, we're going to talk about number 30, but... Before we talk about that, Jason, we need to read some comments about last week's film, Fires Were Started. Jason. Brendan. Brendan. Hello. Hello, darkness. I am so happy to be here with you today. My old friend. You sure like singing. I do. Are you uh, broken? No, I am perfectly fine. I am here to help. You, with your comments. Okay, hang on. You definitely uh, got a little hint of the uh, unaired What Were They Thinking podcast pilot episode, so just one second. Don't know. Hey, Brendan. Oh, that's better. Thanks. I feel a lot better now. You good? I'm good. All right. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to comment. Well, let's get into it, Jason. Let's talk about some comments. Let's read some comments, some questions, some concerns about the movie we did last time, 1943's Fires Were Started. Just got to say, out of the gate, a lot of you out there opposed to fire. <laughs> Anti-fire, yeah. Fire is the basis of human civilization, my friends. And to have you all out there willy-nilly just opposing fire with your, with your water and your foam, you guys don't understand history, man. Read a book. Wake what? up. Don't get them started, guys. Don't get them started. Uh, well, let's let's talk about let's talk about fire fires were started. All right. Um, was our first comment? So I asked I asked the peeps. We usually ask them, you know, for some comments, some questions about the movie. And I also said, if you haven't seen this movie, what do you think it's about? And I feel like a great majority of people have probably not seen this movie outside of a British classroom in 1965. More people saw it than I thought, but there are a few people that uh, that. Gave it their old, good old college guess. Um, that's a term that I'm going to throw together. Sharon Horwat. Serial commenter. Yep. She says, I haven't seen this, but I have two guesses as to what the plot is. Number one, it's a fake documentary about firefighters that is actually very accurate to how their jobs are worked at the time. 
Is this correct? Yes. Number wow. two, it's Nailed a it. it's a mockumentary in the vein of something like Waiting for Guffman or Best in Show, but for British firefighters. Which I want to see. I would like to watch that too. Christopher Guest, what are you doing? You're like 80. Hurry up. I want to see Nigel Tufnell in his later life. It's after Spinal Tap and, he, and, and the boys and him are volunteering as firefighters in Chelsea? That's a town, right? Yeah. yeah. Chelsea, Wyoming. Chelsea. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. Our next comment is from Alan Allen. He made another guess as well. He made another guess. My guess is that it is a good, old-fashioned, 1970s-style British sex comedy. Two buddies are part-time firemen who create a series of small fires and situations in areas where young, attractive women congregate so they can arrive as their heroes and splash water all over the place. Got found out at the start of a third act and ridiculed. Eventually, a real proper fire starts. Nothing to do with them, and they're the only people who can save the old folks' home. End up in epilogue marrying two attractive nurses from the care home. That's actually a pretty good pitch. Uh, uh, that's a movie that doesn't exist, that, that uh, absolutely should. <laughs> I'm surprised it doesn't exist. Are we sure that there's not a carry-on fireman? The, well, that's, that, that would be the plot right there. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Damn, so congrats. Hey, man, awesome. Um, all right, Davey Morrison has seen the movie, and he says, Humphrey Jennings did a string of British World War II propaganda documentaries. This one about the work of firefighters. They're really well made, kind of poetic little films. I especially love Listen to Britain. Yeah, maybe I'll check that out if I can find it, because it took me a long time to find this movie. So uh, We have a uh, comment from Guy Stevenson, and, mm-hmm. and Guy Stevenson's comment is seven words. Okay. Uh, and those seven words are, it's good, but not enough shark scenes. I mean, he's not wrong. You can't print that. <laughs> so those are the seven words you can't say no. on a podcast. But since that was short, I'm taking the next one. Adam Jures, or Juris, says, This movie is just a simple feature of a fire crew attempting to get out a fire caused by a raid. It is a simple. It is simple in its documentary style and not much in the manner of character. Just Britain, dealing with a fire, quick pace, and patriotic without forcing it. Fine little film for what it aims to do. But not a masterpiece. Yeah, it kind of sums up what your opinion from yeah, that yeah, way. pretty much, yeah. That it is, yeah, exactly. It is what it is. It's a great piece, but you're not gonna. It's probably one of the top tier propaganda movies. It's not gonna be a midnight movie. I mean, Jason, we can't all be. We strive to be as good a documentary as Triumph of the Will, and and, and as accurate and uh, uh, timely, mm. timeless, really. All, although you know. Watching it now, it probably still does apply in some way. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's more important than we give it credit for. <laughs> yeah. uh, Wickham Clayton says, This is a fascinating experience in creating fiction out of documentary and propaganda. It looks strange to the eyes of people with a familiarity with narrative cinema, but weirdly predicts a lot of what is admired in the Italian neo-realist films. I don't think there's anything quite like it. That I agree with. I, I can't think of a film quite like this. Um where a profession is documented in this dramatized way, but it's very, like, about that and nothing else. Mm-hmm. Like, most most movies we see, like like, like, like a backdraft, because that's the only other firefighting movie that I could possibly think of. Oh, I guess Ladder 49, that's another one. Yeah, let's just reference that again. All right, well, any more? Any other firefighting movies we can think of? Uh, World Trade Center, I suppose, would count, because they're firefighters. Backdraft. Right? I already said backdraft. Oh, sorry, missed it. That's the firefighting movie, as mm. far as I'm concerned. Most accurate one, anyway. Yeah, and then it had a sequel, but the less said, the better. It did? Yeah, like a direct-to-video sequel. Overdraft? (laughs) Overdraft at the fire bank! (laughs) Make it happen, Kurt Russell. Um, Okay, uh, what what else we got here? Micah Soleri says, watched it like a month ago. 
This really, wow, good for you, man. This really feels ahead of its time in regards to how the firefighting scenes were shot. A few things to notice uh, are that all of the women working on the phones all dress the same and have the same haircut. It's almost like they are nurses or cops in the Pokemon universe. I guess, yeah, I see that. <laughs> and I, I imagine the Pokemon universe probably took some inspiration from British uh, uh, women's auxiliaries and such. For <laughs> of that course. Yeah. yeah. Also, everyone is super British, especially when the area is being bombed. Everyone goes under the desk and then acts like nothing happened. Yes, stiff upper lip. I really wanted to love it, but I thought it was all right. You're right, Mike. I do like that moment where they actually pop right back out yeah. as nothing happened because it kind of that actually kind of feels more realistic than anything to me. It is realistic in in some ways, but it's also clearly part of the propaganda. It's, it's enforcing that attitude of like you know stiff upper lip, carry on, which many Brits absolutely did because that's which they did. I mean, again, and I'm going to repeat what I said on the episode. I think this kind of propaganda is perfectly fine. <laughs> But in a more realistic scene, though, it might be like everybody, yeah, everybody absolutely does exactly what they're supposed to do, except there's one guy who's like, hey, we got fucking boom! We just got fireball! And they, like, drag him out, kicking and screaming. He's like, oh, no, I want me, mommy! I just mean as a subject matter, this is fine to propagandize. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was, I understand the purpose of it. You know, yeah. the, the, the propaganda wasn't a, a mean-spirited propaganda or cruel-spirited. Yeah. Or sp- I mean, because really, fuck fires. I think we can all agree that. That's that's a hot take. And I, yes, it is. And, uh, and, and given I was supporting fire earlier, which I do support fire, but also fuck fire. Jason, are you can are you Jason McLeod or John Kerry? Because you're flip flopping <laughs> an awful lot right now. Uh oh, the Swift Boat vets are coming for oh, me. We better hurry up. Shit. Let, let me tell you one thing. He wasn't the star on my boat. And we got one more comment. Mm. Speaking of boats, and uh, it's Captain from, Ian D Haynes. Yeah, and Ian D Haynes says, pretty sure. Billy Joel had nothing to do with this soundtrack. Ah! Nah, 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 nah. Mwah. Thanks, Ian, for your comment. Yeah, we made... It's okay. We, we also said that like eight times yeah, before we started yeah, recording. Exactly. <laughs> we, were out, we hadn't even come in the building yet. And we were already making that joke. So. Uh, but yes, it, it, uh, Billy Joel had nothing to do with the soundtrack. But as Jason said, before we went on air, that would be a good biopic title for him. Yeah, Fires Were Started with Billy Joel, either by his music or by his various cars. Yeah, but it also is in black and white, also filmed like a documentary. Yeah. Except the color moments are when he's drinking. That's right. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, and our last thing that we do here, Jason, is we compare this movie and its number on its placement on the BFI Top 100 to the one on the AFI of ah. the same number. Ah, we do that, don't we? We do that. Um, we've only been doing it for two years, Jason. I understand if you're still a little rusty. I'll get this at some point. So, Fires for Startup was number 89 on the British Film Institute Top 100 British Films of All Time list. And number 89 on the American Film Institute list is... Showgirls! The Sixth Sense. Oh. I mean, I gotta give it to The Sixth Sense. Yeah, Sixth Sense for sure. That's a movie I've literally only seen once in the theater, but it was a great experience. And, uh, you know, introduced us to M. Night Shyamalan's game, but it worked fucking good that first time. It worked really good the second time with Unbreakable, and it worked even pretty good the third time with with, uh, Signs, even though the ending was bullshit. And then he had a real sag in the middle there. And then he kind of, yeah. But you know what? He's doing his own thing. Uh, Welcome to the uh, M. Night Shyamalan cast. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Unbreakable is a brilliant movie. Yeah, it's, it's pretty good. I, I don't like know it. about the other ones. I haven't seen them, but... Uh, the Visit and Split were good. And then Glass was his last one. It wasn't so good. What about Lady in the Water? I remember seeing that, and it seemed nonsensical. <laughs> I do not like that film. Uh, <laughs> so that's it. That's, that's it for this uh, for this little comment section for Fires Were Started. And now we're going to talk about this week's movie, Jason. We're going to talk about Gregory's Girl. 
No, ladies and gentlemen, this is not a 1980s sitcom or a corporate training video, as you might be thinking. No, this week's film is 1980s. Not this week's film is 1980s. Gregory's Girl. Yeah, and that was the white uh, equivalent, uh, Kilometers Davis. Yeah, yeah, not nearly as good. And and let's just point that out right out of the gate here. A lot of this soundtrack in this movie is very 80s white man sax. And some people like that, some people don't. I don't particularly mind it in a proper situation. We watched, was it the Bob Hoskins movie, The the Long Good Friday or The Long Friday? Uh, the, the one that had more of that was Mona Lisa. Mona Lisa, yeah, but it fit. Like, it kind of yeah. fit the kind of noir approach of that movie it, and, and the, the night ass, like the darkness of this <laughs> I just I like this movie. Spoiler mm-hmm. alert! But this soundtrack is not my favorite. Uh, okay, and I don't judge because it's just so '80s and it's so. And this movie deserves better than this soundtrack. Okay, well, so let's... right out of the gate, we gotta say this music. You might like it, you might not. Okay, well let's 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 run down who's in this movie yeah. briefly. What it's about, and then let's come back to the soundtrack. So this movie is our second and final, I guess, film on this list that's directed by Bill Forsyth. Yes, we talked about him uh, before when we talked about the movie Local Hero, which I think we both loved. We did like it very much. Uh, this stars John Gordon Sinclair as the char- as the title character Gregory. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was also in Local Hero. Actually, he mm. played the man on the motorcycle that kept scaring them whenever he dr- drove up and down the road. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I looked, looked it up after. I was like, oh shit. Uh, D. Hepburn, who is not related to Catherine or Audrey, no. uh, playing Dorothy. Mm. Uh, Claire Grogan playing Susan. Jake Darcy playing Coach Phil Menzies. Mm-hmm. And Robert Buchanan playing Andy, but I swear that was Ethan Hawke. Yeah, it's gotta be. <laughs> it looked like a young Scottish Ethan Hawke. Hello there. But, uh, okay, so... Jason, just if you, if you have, do you have the DVD box there in front of you? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> wow, commitment to this bit. I, I do. It's right in front of me. I'm holding it in my hands as we speak. I'm doing the space work right now. It's in my hands. Excellent. Um, so can you just flip that over and tell me what the blurb for this film reads? Uh, uh, weirdly charismatic and full of himself teenage boy, uh, 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 Gregory is really horny and wants to get laid. Uh, uh, he and his friends try to figure out how to do that and he falls in love with a tomboyish girl well only really a tomboyish i guess because she plays soccer but she plays soccer uh she plays what jason i'm sorry football that's better she plays football would you call it a coming of age i mean it it sort of is i guess it's a you know a guy trying to learn how to go out with a girl i would call it a movie that completely flips what you expect to happen that's true too um on its head yeah because We'll get into it as we go through this episode, but there's so much in this movie that happened that completely caught me off guard, and in a good way, because yeah. I was expecting, you know, 
the usual cliches and maybe not so cliche in 1980, but I was expecting, you know, the, the cliches like a, a teen sex comedy, basically. Well, and, and me too. I, I was still, you know, my mind was still kind of in a frame of mind after seeing Alfie and, and like the first few minutes of his kind of act of like, oh God, is this going to go dark? <laughs> is this going to go real bad? But because uh, Gregory's Girl is a pretty generic title, like that could mean anything. That could be that could be like a super fun light, you know, uh, a Gregory's comedy, girl. or it could be a Holocaust drama. Yeah, it could be like Gregory. You always said I was your girl. You are my girl. You're Gregory's you're, girl. You're my girl, Sam. Your girl. You're Gregory's girl. That's me, Jimmy. Uh, somebody say Jimmy? Are you Gregory's girl? Well, I'll be Gregory's girl for the right price. It's that kind of situation. Aye, 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 aye. Well, you should have pitched this movie. Jimmy Stewart. American Gigolo. Mr. Gregory goes to Washington. <laughs> I'm Gregory's girl and I cost $20. <laughs> So yes, he's in, yes he uh, he's in love with a to- uh, tomboyish girl, well because yeah. she plays sports and yeah basically and 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 not just him I think everybody is kind of yeah. crushing on her and his buddies are real horn dogs yeah he's a horn dog but his buddies are real horn well, dogs well the, the very first scene of the movie is uh, like so many other classic teen comedies where they are spying on uh, a literal nurse with the full on head headpiece and everything mm-hmm. uh, who is uh, changing. And taking her shirt off, and they're all outside sweating and hooting and hollering. Uh, at least, well, quietly, of course, because they don't want to, you know, uh, they don't want her to know that they're there. Right. But yeah, they're, they're getting this glance of tit, and they're all ready to burst through their pants, apparently. And Well, why don't we play that clip? Because I think it's interesting <laughs> how it, uh, <laughs> you laugh. Brendan just wants to see some titties. <laughs> no, why don't we play that clip? Because I think it's interesting how it goes from that to like the characters that come up after that. Yes. Because it kind of takes like, it's kind of a thing where it's like, this is what you expect. And now we have these two characters like comment on what you just saw as yes. ridiculous. And I think it just, it's an interesting setup to this whole movie. So let's just listen. Like you said, Gregory and his friends are gawking at a nurse and then, after they leave, two other unrelated uh, male characters walk up. Where is that? Where is that? In the middle. There. There. Yeah, I've got it. I've got it. Oh, yes. Yes. Look at that. Calm down. I can't concentrate. She's got a brazier. Take it off. Take it off. Transmit. Tell her to take off her bra. Take off your brazier. Concentrate, you bastards. Concentrate. Sandwiches. 
a lot of fuss over a bit of titty. Yeah. Hey, look, the knickers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that. It's like they just... To summarize and criticize that whole scene, like and, all and that the, for a pair of tits, and they're they're clearly younger than all those guys. They're yeah, much younger. They're well, they're not much younger, but like a couple years younger. And there's like, oh look, a, a tit. <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird scene, like the idea of uh, your friends and you going and staring at this window and all just with clearly probably you know raging erections uh, and like, oh yeah, take it off, take it. Like that's that's what life was like before pornography was widely available. Yeah, before you could find it in the woods. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Before before even the duffel bags were out there, you had to go with your friends and and spy on the school nurse. Now I do want to comment on something in that scene because you mentioned that the soundtrack doesn't quite work for you, but, but that I will scene say, I like. Yes. Yeah, I was gonna say I will say that soundtrack is really interesting because it almost sounds sci-fi and creepy. Like it's because it's got that that synth underneath the boom. Yeah, but then though, yeah, the sci-fi. Like, it's almost synth like they're they're venturing into the unknown, yeah. but also the soundtrack is kind of like maybe they shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I feel like this movie, even more so than Alfie, is aware of everything. Yeah, aware of everything that you that you watch, and you're like, I don't know about that. This movie's like, yeah, yeah, we know, we know. That's uh, this this movie is is very genuine, and I think that this is a genuine thing that could have happened back in the day with uh, a, a group of fellas and their friends with nothing else to do, for sure. Yeah, yeah. and I do actually just want to mention. Okay, so we say we were going to get back to the soundtrack here. So, mm. um, I don't love the soundtrack, but I think. I don't know. I kind of like it. Kind of has it's it's sort of a guilty pleasure thing for me because, yeah. I I mean I really like the local hero mm. soundtrack. I'm gonna mention that movie a lot because yes. I think there's a lot of comparisons to be made here. But um, I feel like it's such like a quirky, weird soundtrack enough mm. for me to like. Like I think when when I watched Local Hero, I said this could turn into Wicker Man at any minute, <laughs> and that's what I felt here. I'm watching this. I'm like, this could become a horror film with one <laughs> subtle move. See, I, I, I think the soundtrack in 1980 may have been, like, more quirky and, and kind of contemporary and interesting, and, but just... And it, I, it's not the fault of this movie, but just the 80s happened, and I have a certain association with this style of music, uh, and it doesn't really do it for me. But thankfully, despite my dislike of the soundtrack, I don't think it affects the movie very much. Like, the movie is, is, is what it is, and the soundtrack doesn't, you know, doesn't wreak havoc on that. Well, and let's talk about what it is, because, I mean, you got to compare this movie. It came out in 1980, yeah. so you got to compare it to things like Animal House, Revenge of the Nerds, Porkies, yeah. which are basically, I guess it's like, um, well, yeah, you're throwing Porkies. American there's there's in- no one obviously raped in this movie, so far as I could tell. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, does it happen? Oh, Revenge of the Nerds, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, no, is it Porkies? I'm Porkies, probably. Was Porkies well, the one where they dunk the guy in the fucking toilet? They take his pants down and the only his thing dick's I remember, hanging out. The only thing I remember <laughs> about Porkies is the nurse grabbing the dick through the wall. Mm. Um, but it's a sex comedy. Oh, I'm thinking of Slaughter High. I'm sorry. I confused Porkies with Slaughter oh, High. Oh, it, it happens to the best <laughs> of us, Jason. But this is, this is a sex comedy, um, mm. but it, it's not... Wow. It is. I think it's a sex teen comedy. It's, it's a pretty mild sex comedy. Sure. I mean, yeah. But I mean, it's, there's it's no still, actual sex. It's still in that same kind of genre. Yeah. Um, but it's it's one that, unlike its like American counterparts, it's not it's not mean spirited at all. Yeah. 
and I feel like it's not like overtly sexist or really that offensive. It's about a guy who wants to get with a girl. Like he wants to yeah. he wants to date a girl. Like I mean, yeah, does he want to fuck her? Sure, he wants to fuck her, but he wants to date a girl. It's not like American Pie where they're making a pact to lose their virginity. He like literally wants to date a girl. I don't imagine American Pie ages very well. And that was I would like to watch it again 20 uh, years ago. Yeah, obviously you think about certain scenes in it that, that don't age, like obviously the whole um, internet streaming of the girl without her consent kind of scene. That's a big I one. even thought that Okay, so I didn't watch it in 1999, but yeah, when I, I watched it when I, when I did eventually watch it, I even thought it was weird then. <laughs> like, I can assure you that when I watched that movie in 1999 at the age of, I have to assume, 15. You have uh, to assume? Well, I'm just thinking. It was in the summer. That was the year that came out, 99. not so sure I what age I was in 1999. No. I have to assume 15. No, I would have been 15. And yeah, that movie, nothing rang true. Nothing was problematic to me at 15 in that movie. Of course. It was, it was perfect. And then it was only later years. It's like, oh, these people maybe aren't, aren't cool. See, because the whole time I'm watching this movie, and the reason I'm like talking, like you know, mention these other movies is like I don't know. You, you take another film. Let's take let's take The Graduate for example, mm. which maybe that's a little closer because to, to this because that's more of like a, uh, a a drama. That's more of like a kind of. Have you seen The Graduate? <laughs> okay, but you know I the, have not. I'm you know what I'm talking with the about. Basic idea. Of it, okay, know. here's to you, Mrs. Robinson. Well, Dustin Hoffman in that movie. There are scenes where he comes off a little creepy, yeah. a little stalkerish. And to me, Gregory is like what every American filmmaker is trying to it, it like thinks that their lead is in a teen comedy. Like they think that their lead is charming, mm. like Jason Biggs, like Jim in the American Pie series. Yes. Watch it again now, he is not charming. <laughs> He's a garbage person. Uh, you know, you watch like, uh, like I said, Revenge of the Nerds. I mean, there is a literal rape scene in yep. that movie. <laughs> Animal House. Bluto isn't a good guy at, no, all. Not at all. He's a monster. I would hate to be with Bluto. <laughs> um, and uh, and and I feel like, yeah, I feel like this is the thing where it's like, okay, you got this guy Gregory. He's quick witted. He's awkward, obviously. Yep. He's charming, but he's he's doing it in a way that never feels like, oh, he's a total jerk. Hmm. Like he's he's fun. He's, he's a fun, fun character. He's a bit weird, and he kind of gets like we see the teachers kind of making fun of him from the window yeah. early on as he's like kind of dancing into into school. Yeah, but at the same time, it's like he's got a really almost positive. Almost like I, I thought his attitude seemed very interesting and, and progressive when at the beginning of the movie, you know, after the, they lose the soccer game, he's just like, it's just a game. Yeah. Well, like, I, like for him to have that attitude, because, you know, in, in a school in England, especially at, the, at this time and even now, football is very important. And we learned that from this sporting life. Now, maybe I'm projecting onto England because Wait, that's it's rugby. like that. <laughs> maybe I'm projecting onto England because it's like this often in the States and even here in Canada with hockey. But like. Parents and coaches can get very serious about that shit. And hmm. for him to have the attitude of, like, it's just a game, I respect that. <laughs> I like that in his character because it's like, this guy's cool. Yeah. I mean, let's let's get a, sa a little sample of his character because we have him uh, here hanging out with his friend Andy, who I think is a pretty funny part of this movie. Because hmm. um, he's almost <laughs> he's almost like who you would normally have yeah. as the lead guy, like the horn dog. Like he's a straight up horn he, he's dog. He's a horn dog who has no idea how to go about actually And he's definitely never had sex. Like that. Oh absolutely never. No, no question. I don't think he's ever been on a date. He he reminds me a little bit of myself just because he's full of useless information. <laughs> but does he not look like Ethan Hawke? You think that he looks like baby Ethan Hawke? Think so. Okay. Well, let's just let, we're we're gonna watch, but okay. let's just listen to the scene uh, early on. Gregory finds out that he's uh, he's gonna be the he's gonna basically take over Andy's position on the on the football team 
because the coach, who is another great character, yes. I do want to talk about him too, but the coach is looking for fresh blood. He says, okay, you're going to take over Andy's position. Or, sorry, somebody's going to take over your position. You're going to take over Andy's position as goalkeeper for a one-week trial. And this is Gregory just hanging out with Andy uh, after, uh, after that conversation. Okay, so Phil Menzies is daft. He's daft enough maybe to throw you out the team. I'm not saying that he will fling you out. No, I didn't say that. But he's daft. He's daft enough to do it. Look, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. If, just supposing, Phil Menzies is daft enough to throw you out the team, well, I'll resign. Really? Yeah, well, well, when, when I say resign, what I'm getting at, what, what it boils down to, what I'm trying to say really is, I'll resign myself to making a decision, if it happens. I'm not saying that it will, it might, but it won't. I don't think so. Well, I'll see you later, Gregory, OK? How are you going? Well, I just want to stay here a wee bit longer and watch the traffic. I like looking at the big trucks. <laughs> Look, do you know that... At least 12 tonnes of cornflakes passes under here every day. Really? It's a well-known fact. Oh, gee, is that? <laughs> Never knew that. <laughs> I'll see you later. Yeah, see you. I love his awkward reaction to his friends, just like, yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, 12,000, oh, cornflakes, okay. But, that, but that also reinforces my statements earlier, like the idea that uh, that's what they did before porn. That's how bored these people were. That's how bored that kid is. He's like, I'm going to watch the trucks on the bridge because he has nothing else to do. I just get the sense that he's almost like a human dog. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm just going to watch the traffic. I like them big trucks. I enjoy them. They're very big, very big trucks. <laughs> um... Yeah, and so I, I just I enjoy I enjoy Gregory. I don't I don't watch him and think, oh, this character would be a jerk in real life. I'm just kind of like he's funny, he's charming. He is, and he reminds me of friends I had in high school. Like just <clears throat> a certain just attitude, confidence. You know, they maybe they weren't great with women, but around them they just were that kind of guy, and they were fun to hang out with. Yeah, they weren't monsters to yeah. women either. That's, that's the big it, difference. and that's the thing is that in this movie, you're never really tired of Gregory. He's interesting to be around. He's, he's he is somebody you would want to hang out with. Well, John Gordon Sinclair, who plays Gregory, said that uh, he talked when he talked about this production. He said the director he cast kids because he was nervous about using professionals. Mm. So Bill Forsyth was nervous. He said shooting was fun and never felt like work, which I think really comes across. Everyone looks like they're very relaxed. Yes. And, natural again the genuineness that comes through in this movie yeah and he said you knew you were getting it right because you'd see bill's shoulders shaking with laughter behind the camera um he said i had to ask him to move out of my eyeline because we'd get quite distracting <laughs> uh, he said we we're all about the same age but everyone was a bit in awe and i think this is a good segue everyone was a bit in awe of d hepburn who played dorothy mm. the girl who makes it into the school football field and the one gregory tries to date she was already a professional actor and to just do the football scenes, she actually went through six weeks of training. Damn. Six weeks. That's hardcore. Like, I, that's, that's like a Daniel Day-Lewis level of thing. Actually, well, he would probably, like, do it for a year, but he would he would join a professional football team. Yeah, and uh, get himself kicked out. And then win the championship, yeah, and then get himself kicked out in a drunken bar fight because <laughs> that was what the character would do. Um, so, you, I mean, Dee Hepburn is Dorothy, mm -hmm. the object of his affection. Yes. And what I really like about her character... Is that they don't? I mean, now I don't want to sound like an asshole. She's a she's a very pretty girl. Yes. Um, but they don't make her like 
What what am I trying to say here, Jason? They don't. You make say her they like, don't tart her up like you might uh, expect to happen. She's not. She's not a Shannon Elizabeth in American yeah, Pie. Yeah, exactly. She's not she's, completely like. Why would she even give this guy the time of day? Like, are 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 there incredibly attractive girls that are soccer players? Absolutely, mm-hmm. but but you wouldn't necessarily buy that in the movie. No, I mean, and she is attractive. She's a very attractive girl, but. Yeah, I think she. I think they've just done a good job of making her. I don't know, relatable. Yeah, yeah. Let's go with that. Grounded, attainable, attainable. I don't like that. That's a weird <laughs> term. I don't like it. Well, certainly. Uh, um... You know. Okay. Here's here's what I'll say. You never get the sense watching this that you're like, like I said, you never get the sense watching this where you're like, why would this beautiful, smart, amazing woman give this jerk the time of day? And I think that's because yeah. they make Gregory a better. Well, character. that's it. Gregory Gregory's not a bad guy, and she's you know she's a cool girl. Like she's yeah. not she's not stuck up. She's not you know some sort of popular kid in the American you know kind of movie sense. She's mm-hmm. just she's just good at soccer, and she's forceful enough to get her way onto the team. Uh, despite Uncle Rico's protestations. The coach. <laughs> yeah, the coach, Uncle yeah, Rico. The coach, yeah. Uncle Rico. Well, talk about the coach a little bit, too, because the coach, Coach Phil Menzies, yes. played by Jake Darcy, I, I, I described him as a less intense and less mean version of the coach in Kess. Yeah. Or the, football, the gym teacher in Kess. Yeah, yeah. Because um, he's very serious. And he even has that moment where he's like, all right, Dorothy, you want to try out? Now you're going to have to play against a real goalkeeper. And he gets in the net, and she immediately scores a goal on him. When I first saw him, well, when I first saw him on screen, but also specifically in the scene where Dorothy first shows up and is insisting on playing and is handing him her clothes, and, and I forgive me for using this word, um, but the only word that kept coming to my mind was cuck. He just comes off as a total cuck. Okay. Yeah, total like beta male type. And even though he, even though he's a soccer coach, which is of course a total alpha male kind of uh, uh, role to be in, he's like this kind of you know bit more meek kind of guy. Yeah. Like he he doesn't stand up to her. I mean, thankfully because she's good at soccer, but she he basically lets her just roll in all over him. And that's a testament to her personality and to his kind of meekness. <laughs> well, and they also they also make it very known that the teachers at the school don't think much of him either. Yeah. Because he, when he goes into, like, the teacher's lounge, they're like, here, have this cupcake. And his, initial, his first initial thought is like, what did you do to it? Yeah. And they're like, nothing. By the way, that's a great mustache. So were those guys like his bullies at school, and now they're all teachers at that same school? I feel like just no one takes them seriously. Yeah. I mean, we even have like the principal later on when the principal is meeting yeah. with the guy who's leading like the cooking class because mm. the guy leading the cooking class is taking all the principal's like orders, like yes. cake orders. Yeah, he's making food for him for yeah. free. And then when he meets with him, he's all like smiles and stuff. And then as soon as Coach Menzies comes in, he's like. Well, what is it? And like Menjin's like, I'm sorry I showed up early, sir. (laughs) Not late. He showed up early and he's apologizing. (laughs) Oh my. Yeah, he's he's a wiener. He's a bit of a wiener. But he's not like a bad guy either. No, no. He's not a bad guy. He's just, he's a wiener and he's got that mustache that they uh, compliment but is quite quite uh, it's very much a justin mustache it's very much a crustache that means nothing to the listener but uh, uh that's a justin number one uh justin number five mustache <laughs> kind of a justin number one mustache too what do you think about the representation of men and women in this movie because i think it's a total reversal right well i mean they seem to be their own people and it's not just a, a strictly gender thing. i mean i think in this movie the girls rule. Yeah, I think the girls rule the roost in this one. I think I think any 
male character to some extent is shown as a bit of a dope. Yeah, and and is kind of at their whim. Uh, and well, because we see that in numerous times where the guys are trying to like converse with the girls and yeah. they're just being super awkward, and the girls just barely even give them the time of day. Well, and I just think it's kind of refreshing that. You have this movie where you expect, like, you know, Gregory's girl. Yeah. It's like, you know, whatever. It's about his journey, which it kind of is. But, yes. like, it's it kind of is more about how the girls have more say, ultimately. Yeah. In um, this, you even in this have situation. The role reversal here. I mean, the girl, Dorothy, I mean, the guy, the guy's playing football, too, or soccer, I guess. Yeah. Uh, uh, UK football. Yes. Um, <laughs> but... You have this thing where Dorothy is playing football. The guys are the ones doing the baking. The mm. girls are the ones doing the science experiments. Yeah. Like, I thought that was interesting. I didn't think about that. But, yeah, now that you mention it, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they it's were like kind a, of taking the traditional roles and swapping them. They really did. They moved the traditional role. And, like, think about the two or, two or three of the smartest characters in this movie are probably Dorothy. Yeah. Susan, yeah. later on, and Madeline, Greg, Madeline Gregory's <laughs> sister. Probably my favorite character in this whole movie. Yeah, she's wonderful. I love But now that character. you think about it, like... You never see any of the girls in the movie talk about their clothes, but you see uh, Gregory insisting that his uh, roommate give him the uh, tweed jacket and, and shoes so that he can look good on his date. So that, and he really is insistent on having this particular suit to wear. Yeah, you see yeah. the guys obsessed with their looks. Yeah, and it, like, even like oh, when the... he steals the comb from the kid and he like like rips it out of his hands and then gives himself a quick comb and gives it yeah. back. Just to, just because Dorothy sends him a message that she wants to talk to him for a yeah, minute. Exactly. That's it. <laughs> So, I mean, um, and let's listen, listen to this conversation between like Dorothy and, uh, wait, do I have that? Yeah. Just listen to this conversation between Dorothy and Gregory when he finally talks to her in the locker room, because she's clearly leading this conversation. He has no power here whatsoever. Mm -hmm. No, maybe I'll get some. (laughs) Don't panic. It's just a scratch. I only want to save my tights getting blood on them. Big gorilla in the left wing. I got my own back. I got my boot in his shin and scraped it right down. Big animal. You'll have a bruise there? Not if I let it bleed. That's the idea. I don't bruise easily. I do. I bruise like a peach. See that? I was only three when that happened. I was chasing a wee boy in the beach. I wasn't going to hurt him. I fell in a bottle. That'll never go away. I'm marked for life. I'm imperfect. No, no, it's nice. I like it. Really? Yeah. I hurt my arm once. At the joint. I can't get it any higher than this. I used to be able to get away up here. You just did. Nah, this Adam. <laughs> stuck. Look at this then. My big brother threw a bike at me. It was only seven. I can only see it in the mirror. It's quite nice, isn't it? Nice shape. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Ronaldo, that was a boy in Italy last summer. He said it was like a new moon. Very romantic. La luna. Ah, si, si. Bella, bella. Ah, parliamo italiano. Nah, not really. Just bella, bella. Oh, 
I think it's a wonderful language. It's so alive. I want to live in Italy when I leave school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's but that's it. Yeah, exactly. She's kind of has the power in that conversation, but he's also the kind of befuddled, charming. Uh, he's trying very hard, but it's realistic. Like again, it's genuine to me. Like yeah. he's, he's trying to be smooth, and but he's also having a little bit of awkwardness. And well, and she's also not presented as as controlling either. No. She's not like you know, like you know, to get a lot of like. I, I mean, and I'm sorry, I don't. Wanna, <laughs> I feel like this whole episode is me like men suck. <laughs> but I mean, when you got a male director and a male writer and male staff, it's like you can't help but get that point of view. Yeah. And it's like a lot of teen comedies, especially in America. Um, you get this whole thing where, like, you know, if the woman has any kind of control mm. in the scene, she's bad. But it's not that she has control. It's that she's just confident. That's what I mean. But yeah. but that's what I mean. Like, yeah. confidence in a female character is, it, well, maybe not recently because there's yeah. been some changes. But, like, back in the 90s especially, like, that was seen as, like, oh, she's a like bitch. They, they were the, in, in so many of those old movies, the... the yeah, the desirable female characters are the ones that were fretting over their relationships. All and, Sarah and... Michelle Geller was trying to do with Cruel <laughs> Intentions was seduce her brother. Hmm. Well. I don't see the problem, Jason. That was a fun movie. It's consensual. Sibling fucking. Moving on. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's drawing too many uh, too many old memories. Look, if you want to talk now. about Game of Thrones, we can talk about Game of Thrones. You want to talk about sibling fucking. But if not, let's get back to this movie where there's no sibling fucking so far as I was able to notice. The sibling kissing, which I thought was a little uncomfortable, but then I realized, you know what? It was probably okay at the time. Yeah, it was fine. It was Scotland in the 80s. It was, it was you know, it was expected. But yeah, so I mean, I just think it's, it's it, yeah, this movie had much stronger female characters than I expected. Just yeah. going into this thing. Because, um, yeah, none of them are... I, I, I feel like every female character we see has a level of confidence that we don't see in the male characters in the movie. Yeah, I mean, I would say Susan maybe a little less so, but yes. she's still a fully formed character. Yes. Um, and actually, the funny thing about Susan, played by Claire Grogan, is she almost didn't get cast in this movie. What? Well, she was working part-time as a waitress, <laughs> mm-hmm. and Bill Forsyth walked up and asked, and basically was like, would you like to be in Gregory's Girl? <laughs> would you he like just, to be in my movie, honey? <laughs> he just he just thought she had a good look for the movie. And cause he was looking for regular people, right? Yeah. And he was uncomfortable working with real actors. Yeah. Um, he asked, he, she says, he asked for my phone number, but my mom had warned me about strange men. So I just said, you know where to find me. Um, and she said, uh, basically what happened was uh, she had a really bad scar on the side of her face. And they did their best to like cover it up as much as possible because the studio originally said, no, you can't cast her. Like yeah. that's, that's hideous. Uh. No one would ever fall for her with that. You know, it's typical studio shit, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so they had to cover it up as much as possible. Bill Forsyth was like, I'm not recasting the role. I want Claire Grogan for the role, and that's who's going to play it. I have all, like, non-actors in this movie. Do you really think it's going to make a difference? Yeah. <laughs> so, like, so he puts her in the role, and they cover it up. And, I mean, she does great. And she actually said, to this day, she's never seen Gregory's Girl in, in its entirety. Because huh. she said, I always have to leave some point because I find it too much. Yeah. <laughs> it's just hard for her to take. Yeah. And she was real, uh, uh, genuinely good friends with uh, John Gordon Sinclair, who played Gregory, before the movie. So ah. they have a sort of natural chemistry. And that, and that does come through. Yeah. Um, yeah, because, and then, and so the whole movie, I mean, we go from him being into Dorothy. Mm. And then 
the last 30 minutes of this movie, yeah. like the last third of this movie. Is a kinda, weird fucking swerve. <laughs> yeah, right? But I, I really liked it. Once I kind of got the idea of what was going on, I was like, okay. Because at first, I'll tell you what at first I thought was happening. So he goes, he finally gets a date with Dorothy and he shows up and she doesn't show up. Yeah. But one of her friends does. And she's like, well, take me to get chips. Yes. And they go off to get chips, and she changes midway through, and he kind of, like, isn't sure why he's standing in front of the phone book, so he glances over, and, you know, she's kind of in some form of undress, and he's like, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. And then she passes him off to another friend of hers. Yeah. Um, which which then, is weird, because at that point, I thought, okay, because, so this had been prompted, he had finally mustered up the courage to ask Dorothy for a date. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you want to you want to go out sometime? And she just immediately goes, okay. Yeah. And he's flabbergasted, of course, because he expected a no. Or, um, and eventually they figure out, okay, they're going to meet at this time and at this place that night. Yeah. So and then, he goes back and confirms it one more time. <laughs> right. <laughs> Awkwardly. <yeah. laughs> but then she passes him off to her friend. Yeah. And then she passes him off to Susan. Yeah. And I, I was, so my thought at that point was, is this some kind of fucked up, like, vetting? test? Yeah, vetting on on Dorothy's part to see if he will try to fuck any of the other girls. So I thought that, <laughs> I thought that the, the, there was a huge vetting process until I went back and watched it again. Because there's a scene early on, there's only one scene, and it's it's really quick. Yeah. But it's, you kind of get the idea that Susan is into Gregory a little bit. Mm. And uh, let's just listen to that real quick, because oh, it's a very quick scene. Remind me of that. I don't remember that. What about Alan? Do you think he's still a virgin? Nah. He's been in the school orchestra for over a year now. Pass a sulfuric acid, will you? What's the pH in that? Um, seven. How's the football going? Oh, that's good. You need to cut that up a bit. It's a bit big. What about the goalie, Gregory? Hmm? What do you make of Gregory? Well, he's a bit slow and a bit awkward. Yeah, slow and awkward. He's got a nice laugh. And then followed by a penguin walking yeah. through the school, which... Uh, uh, well, Does that get resolved? Did I miss that? No, but let's put a pin in that just okay. for a second. Um, but yeah, no, so that scene, that's the only real scene we get. It's funny, I remember that scene that you show it, and it's like, oh yeah, yeah obviously that's what it was implying. Yeah, and then she even says, like, once he gets to Susan, the final uh, lap in the trial, mm-hmm. um, she says, well, girls help each other out. And I, that, at that point, I also thought, like you, that they were vetting him until he got to Dorothy, which I thought, oh, that's cool. Like, that's an interesting thing you don't often see in movies, right? Like, let's just see what kind of guy he really is. Let's, let's show women at their most base level where they work together like a mafia. <laughs> well, I mean, I thought it was, I thought it was nice. <laughs> yeah. I didn't think they were doing anything bad. No, I mean, um, exactly. They were making sure he wasn't a creep, I yeah. But but then of course we see that Susan and and Gregory get along very well, and then we're of course like ah. Dorothy was asked out on the date. She knows they're not a match. She knows, like, you know, I feel bad for this guy. He's head over heels. But you know what? My friend Susan actually really likes him. So maybe we'll see if they click. Yeah. So she sets this up to have Susan and him meet. And it's so charming. It works out. Good it's for so Dorothy. Charming. Let's listen to a little bit of uh, the date with uh, Gregory and Susan. You know, this is really good. I'm really enjoying myself. Good. I'm glad we bumped into each other. <laughs> Do you want to dance? It's really good. You just lie flat down 
and dance. I'll show you what I mean. I'll, I'll start it off and you just join in when you feel confident enough. Okay. <laughs> just dance. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I'll tell you something. And not a lot of people know this. Mm -hmm. We are clinging to the surface of this planet while it spins through space at a thousand miles an hour. Held only by the mystery force called gravity. Wow. A lot of people panic when you tell them that and they just fall off. Oh. But I see you're not falling off. <laughs> that means you've got the hang of it. That means that you have got... Natural ability. Yeah. A thousand miles an hour, eh? Why are boys obsessed with numbers? No, I'm not. You are. Don't stop dancing or you'll fall off. I really like that scene because, swear to God, the idea that he's talking about, the idea that you're like stuck to the earth, I had that exact same realization my first time doing acid. I was at a I was at a friend's we were hanging out and I was lying on the grass looking up at the stars and it's like oh, it's like I'm strapped to the side of the planet looking out whoa <laughs> so that really resonated with me well and I also like that uh, uh, she says um, why are boys so obsessed with numbers because shortly after that we get a scene where uh, his cameraman cameraman buddy is like talking about like the frame rates and stuff <laughs> and, like is like you know shutter speed mm. and they're just having a laugh at that um, and you even have uh, Gregory making a joke like oh won't you get me six copies oh you know what make it half a dozen <laughs> so there's some funny little stuff and I, I thought about that and I was like obsessed with numbers that's such a weird thing and then I thought about it and I was like you know what that's kind of true well fellas are obsessed with one number and that's how long their penis is ah. and that's why you quote it in centimeters because it sounds way better yeah baby <laughs> 1.5 <laughs> hey <laughs> Um, well, I think maybe she gets the idea, too, because uh, Andy uh, tries to pick her up by saying that when you sneeze, yeah, uh, it comes out 100 miles an hour. Which is, yeah, I think it comes out. Which she like then that. uses on Gregory later, yeah. by the way, yes. <laughs> which I thought yes. was funny. Good job. Um, and I also like how he uses the, not many people know this. Not many people, yeah. Although that's kind of an opposite of uh, the other dude, because he's like, it's a well-known fact. Well, why are you telling me if it's so well-known? <laughs> um. So, I mean, yeah, there's that. I, I, I like that whole date mm. scene. It's sweet. Yeah. We, we off air, we both talked about how this reminded us of a Richard Linkletter movie. It did. Yeah, where, and, and especially in the sense of like getting real people to be in it and maybe less professional actors, you know, that, that look like real people. That's what I've always appreciated about his movies is that it's yeah. a diversity of people that even when it's all mostly white people, they look different. Well, they that's what I like, like about about School of Rock is that he hired this unknown yes. to play the teacher. Yeah. Uh, uh, who, uh, uh, John, J John Black? J Jerry White? Jerry White. <laughs> Yeah, Jerry White. Well, no, but I mean, like, his indie films are definitely like that. Like, I would argue Boyhood, the lead actor, nobody knew who that was when well, that I movie mean, came out. By design, kind of. Yeah. Unless he had somehow accidentally gotten famous in the course of making that movie. I love that movie. I, I love that movie, That's too. That's a great movie. Um, but yeah, so yeah, it did feel Linklater to me. Um, a little less sprawling, mm. but still almost no plot like what well, almost no plot dealing with like a community of people yep. um i mean obviously this movie focuses on on gregory i mean his name's in the fucking title i mean i wonder if there's some inspiration here because i don't think 
Linklater made films before 1980. No, I think his first movie was Slacker, and that was like 1992, I think, or yeah. 91. I mean, could be. Yeah. He, I mean, he was a movie, you know, he's a movie nerd, so yeah, he could have seen this movie for sure. Are you telling me the directors watch other films? Uh, they've been known to. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. I'll I, take that theory. I bet you Steven Spielberg has seen a Stanley Kubrick movie <laughs> well, or two. No, that's his known rival. <laughs> But yeah, no, I, I, I do, yeah, I do think I will stand by that. I do think it's kind of like a Linklater film, um, in the in the way that uh, Local Hero is not, which is interesting because Bill Forsyth, I think that movie is plotted a lot yeah. more than this one. It's, um, that's a kind of a classic riff, like that the idea of like the town. It's a riff on the idea of like the town wanting to defend itself, but of course, as we pointed out, that's like they immediately want to sell. Yeah, <laughs> they want to sell out, and they want to fuck them over for as much money as possible. Right, they want to sell out yesterday. <laughs> So Bill Forsyth, good for him for uh, thinking of like kind of classic ideas and going different ways with them. Yeah, I mean that movie's kind of like a fairy tale, whereas this movie is like like you said, like a like a proto Linklater yeah. movie. Um, I do want to talk also about the guys, his buddies, Andy yeah. and Charlie. Which, by the way, <laughs> Charlie has no lines except for the very end of the yeah, movie. Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, he I, finally I always, speaks. Yeah, what a what a goony looking guy. And nothing <laughs> against him, but man, with that the gap in his teeth and that fucking that fucking bowl haircut. Yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah. my god. <laughs> yeah, he was like he was like the Goomba. Yeah. And Andy was Koopa. But but again, realistic looking people. Like mm-hmm. there, I went to school with mooks like that. I'm sure you did too. And they may be lovely people, but they just, you know. They have a look. The yeah. Lord was not kind to their faces. <laughs> I mean, they have, a, they have a distinct look. Absolutely. They're, they're characters. You can't forget Charlie. No. Um, well, let's listen to, because I, I do want to listen to a scene of Andy and Charlie striking out um, when they try <laughs> to pick up a couple of girls in the cafeteria. Because this, to me, is the movie, is the their journey, yeah. is the kind of movie that people expect from Yeah, if, if this had been made by Americans, this would these two guys would probably be the main characters, as you pointed out. And, of course, they would be like, I was going to say, they'd probably be more be, dashing. But be then Sean again, William Scott and Ashton Kutcher, in a, and this is a, a remake sequel to Dude, Where's My Car? Did you know that Ashton Kutcher was almost in a remake of Casablanca with Madonna? Hmm. I think it would have been something like this. That would have been a fast. <laughs> Play it again. <laughs> Play it again, Sam. <laughs> Play as time goes on. Just play it. Anyway, let's listen to Andy and Charlie. Uh, mostly Andy uh, trying to pick up a couple ladies. Let's sweet talk these two, eh? Good afternoon, ladies. Mind if we join you? How's the roast beef? It's veal. Veal? Do you know how they make veal? They get the little baby calves and they hang them upside down and they slit their throats and let the blood drip out. It's very interesting, isn't it? And the girls, of course, just as soon as he finishes, they immediately get up and walk away from the table. Of course. <laughs> that, that's actually reminiscent. When growing up, I had a friend who uh, came with me to a birthday party once, and my uh, grandmother drove us, and he explained to my grandmother how they, uh, uh, how they slaughtered pigs uh, uh, at his house to get food for from them. <laughs> and she was like, I'm Still good. talks about that to this day. Yeah. And she was probably like, no, I'm good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, she grew up in the Depression, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> 
But like, yeah, you have these characters that are like, uh, like that that scene there, and then and then their journey basically is that they're like, well, you know what we need to do? Andy says we need to go to uh, to South America. There's a town called Caracas, and <laughs> it's the, the ratio is eight women to every one man. So the the end of the movie, they're literally hitchhiking to Caracas. Yeah. And then Charlie finally gets his one line, and what does he say to Andy? <laughs> He's you, you spelt it wrong. It's not like it's not it's not Caracas with a with a U. It's with an A. Right, right. <laughs> As if that's the thing that's keeping them from getting where they want to go. <laughs> yep. And the end of the movie is them just walking off. They Gregory walk off. Gregory's hooked up with uh, Susan, and they're just walking. Comes away. home and, and kissing in the yard while Madeline spies on them. Madeline. We got to talk about Madeline. We got to talk about Madeline, uh, Gregory's sister. And again, this is this is. We mentioned this is like a Linklater film, and that's why we're just kind of talking about characters because yeah. that's what this is. And again, talking about Bill Forsyth going different directions with things, like you would expect, like a, a guy with a little sister to have like kind of an anti- antagonistic relationship, but it's clear that they both really like each other and they're they're cool with each other. Yep. Um, so I definitely want to play a section here of Gregory and his sister interacting. Madeline, who is a precocious ten-year-old. There is one kind of creepy line. Oh man, is there ever? <laughs> oh my god! At some point, where one of his friends says, uh, he, it, it, "And it's 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 Ethan Hawke, dude." He uh, yeah, he's no no Andy. no. Isn't it well, Andy well, who says it? He goes, he goes, "Well, well, I think he says it to taunt the other guy." Or I think yeah, he's making fun of him. He goes, "Oh, he goes." Oh, he, the other guy says, "Oh, they're she's growing up so quick," and Ethan Hawke goes, "He goes, yeah, they're." Uh, She's the ten year old with the body of a thirteen year old. <laughs> yeah. But I think I think his line is just to taunt how yeah, creepy no, the other guy is. to make fun of him. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It, it's kind of a creepy line. But <laughs> let's uh let's listen to a little bit of Gregory and Madeline, because like you said, this is very unique to these uh you to the this relationship that you usually see in movies like this. I was talking to Stephen's sister about Dorothy. She's very attractive. I knew you would fall for that type. She's quartered Italian. Don't get too serious about it if you could help it. Have you asked her out yet? I can help you. I can tell you things. I'm a girl. You were nice to me when other boys hated their sisters. If it was brown, it would be okay. Not enough brown in it. Yeah. There's a dark brown. Well, the grey was quite nice too. You don't think about colours, do you? If you don't take an interest in yourself, how can you expect other people to be interested in you? Talk to Dorothy. Ask her out. She won't say no, I'll bet you. But don't treat her too special. You're too romantic. Could scare a girl off. What kind of things should I say? For goodness sake, don't plan it. Don't think about it. Do it. So... She think less about love and more about colours. You've got it. What would you like? Ginger beer and lime juice with ice cream, please. But don't stir it. Coffee, please. Black or white? Um, brown. Don't do blue coffees here, Madeline. This isn't Italy. No style. You dream about her. That means you love her. It's the one that you have the dreams about that counts. Do you dream about? Just ginger beer and ice cream. Mm. I'm still a little girl, remember? 
So I love that part at the end because like the whole scene, she's like this precocious kind of ten year old uh, girl yeah. who's giving him all this advice, and then he's you know she's like you dream about her, oh you love her, oh you should do this, you should do that, and then he's like, oh what do you dream about? And she's like, well ginger beer, I'm a ten year old child, like, yeah. I don't know, I, I'm not ready to be loved. Yeah, exactly. Like, I know about all this stuff, but I'm not ready to execute it. Yeah, <laughs> come on. <laughs> no, 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 I thought that was funny. She has all this knowledge, but she's like, yeah. Well, well, the scene I like with uh, she's not even there for it, but uh, I wonder if Michael Bay saw this movie because <laughs> I was reminded of the scene in Bad Boys Two where they uh, where they they raz the the guys. <laughs> Oh yes, yes. Where he does that, he kind of does that to the the little boy that comes by to talk to Madeline. You ever made love to a man? You wanna? <laughs> that terribly homophobic and racist scene, the, but the best scene in that movie. But yes, very hilarious. Yeah, I love those guys. Those guys are great. Um, well, I mean, I have that scene too. Shall we listen to that? Because yeah, Gregory's, it's just fun. Gregory's sister, uh, Madeline. Uh, has a boy that's kind of after her too. Yeah. And he comes over when uh, to see her, but Gregory's home and Gregory kind of tells him off in a very, as Jason said, bad boys two esque way. But you can also point out too, like we mentioned how the women are so confident in this movie. So are the kids. Like this, yeah. th- th- this kid, he does, he takes this all in stride and barely <laughs> breaks a sweat. Like he's just like, okay, yeah, have her call me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's take a listen. I wonder if Maddie's in. You mean Madeline? She's out with her mother. That's a shame. I thought we'd go for a walk. Maybe I could wait. Nah, there'll be ages. Maybe she could phone me later on. She has my number. You anyway. You're talking about my sister. And she doesn't go for walks with anybody. What's the idea? Coming to people's doors. Seducing people's sisters. Act your age. I mean, break some windows. Demolish some phone boxes. See when I was your age. You're Gregory, aren't you? How you feeling? Everything okay? <laughs> There's nothing wrong with me, son. You're the one that should be worried. Seducing children. You're a freak. You're heading for big trouble. Underage walks, dates. You'll run out of vices before you're 12 if you don't slow down. Come on, piss off. Okay, Gregory. Fair enough. Richard's the name. Ask Maddie to call me anyway. The name's Madeline. Go on. Off. Yeah, so I just <laughs> I think I think it's also funny too where his sister is helping him like uh you know with a girl and mm. <laughs> he's confronted with a guy who's into his sister and yeah. he's like piss off. Yeah, piss off. Come um, on. But I mean I I'm wondering if that's also uh cuz that takes place shortly after the conversation where she says, "Well, I'm just thinking about ginger beer." Yeah, exactly. Um so I wonder <laughs> if he's like, "Yeah, you're not the young, you're not old enough to want to date my sister. Get out of here." She's clearly not into it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, so we, I said put a pin in the penguin. Yeah. The, the penguin guy that's like walking down the hallway a couple times in this movie. Incite oh. me. Well, I mean, this won't explain it very well. <laughs> but apparently there's, there's some, some uh, stuff I was reading where this movie kind of took a little bit of influence in the French New Wave. Mm. Um, in the sense that there are things that don't really make a lot of sense. <laughs> um, including the penguin, which is just like a, you know, a, a pupil in a penguin suit. Um, just wandering the hallways and occasionally and one of my favorite little bits that really I don't know why I laughed at but I thought it was funny is where a girl sees him and is like you're in room 16 (laughs) yeah that's the obvious place for the penguin to go right (laughs) it's like everybody knows you're in room 16 Um, and there's also one scene that kind of uh, where, where the coach is meeting with Dorothy and showing her this like move, this like football move and it basically turns into like a little dance sequence yeah and that's fun. It's just like them having fun at that point. It seems like that they get into this little rhythm and they're doing this dance. And 
again, the dark part of me was like, yeah. oh, this is going to go bad. Yeah. Oh, this coach is going to do something terrible and unforgivable. But well, no, they just had an innocent dance scene. Well, I thought that, and then I also thought, like, are they just going to hook up? And yeah. then the movie's going to be like, it's okay. It's fine. The coach was the girl with the girl. We've been <laughs> we've been thoroughly cynicized by watching uh, these older movies, Brendan. Yeah. <laughs> and then they show later, the coach is, like, talking to his plants, and I'm like, oh, if Dorothy shows up, I'm out. Yep. <laughs> but she doesn't, so I'm pretty sure it's just innocent. Maybe the coach was growing weed, man. I can only hope. Yeah. That's Gregory's girl. <laughs> the weed. That's the, the strain of weed that he's selling. It's called Gregory's girl. <laughs> we do a remake with DJ Qualls as a weed dealer. We call Although it. he's probably 40 now. But. Oh, I was like, yeah, he's, yeah, he's older now. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, like, I, I don't know. The, the female, like I said, I can't say enough about the female characters, especially Madeline mm. um, in this movie. They're great, and Gregory's great. And um, what other notes do you have? Uh, I say, even the headmaster. The brief scenes with him was kind of fun, where he's playing the piano, <laughs> and the kid comes in and he and he's watching him, and then he gets after him for watching him, and then immediately goes back to happily playing the piano. Yep. Uh, let's see. Let's go through my notes here and see what okay. I've got to say. I know I've got something to say. I've always got. Something I, to I say. do like when Gregory is in the kitchen. Uh, there's an earlier scene where he's in the kitchen. He's got his electric toothbrush. He's got that on the table. Yeah. He's got the can opener thing going. He's got something else going. And it's, I think it's like, I don't want to get too like film guy, but like it's almost like a metaphor. Like he's doing too much at once. Yeah, it's, it's a lot going on. Also, did you notice that, that the, the, the battery on that toothbrush is like the size of a fucking like, like <laughs> almanac? It's a massive battery. So he's got a nine volt in there? Oh, he's, it, it, I don't even. It's like a car battery to power that fucking toothbrush. Now... Maybe, I don't know if I saw this correctly, but does he eat a dog biscuit in that scene with toothpaste on it? Because he, yeah, he reaches he, into a box with a dog picture on it. Yeah, maybe it is. Yeah. Okay, because I toothpaste. think he eats a dog biscuit. Maybe that's part of that French New Wave shit of being just kind of like... Whatever. Uh, I, he, he portrays, at least to himself and his friends, if not to women... He really tries to portray this devil may care attitude, and I think he is actually devil may care. I don't think he. I, I think he is legit in that. He really does. He has a positive attitude. He enjoys life. He wants to take it as is. And despite his troubles with girls, he's not. He's not a guy that is like anxious about life. He's anxious about girls. Mm-hmm. Uh, at one point, though, he's putting deodorant on, and he's putting the he's rolling the deodorant onto his shirt. And yeah. my thought was, wait a minute, am I doing this wrong? Am I supposed to put deodorant on my shirt and not on my armpits? Because I put it on my armpits. I wonder if that's like just him being like, I'm going to use this same shirt. Maybe, maybe, maybe the shirt stunk exactly. I don't have another shirt to change into. Uh, yeah. So and it. <laughs> So we, we, we briefly meet Gregory's father at one point, who's a driving instructor, and yeah. he's and Gregory's running across the street, and the guy in the car clearly and obviously tries to run Gregory down. It's not accidental. He tries to run Gregory down, and Gregory's dad is just like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then his dad is really funny because his dad is so dry, and you can almost see where Gregory gets some of his humor from because his dad's like, oh, uh... Have you been by the house lately? Yeah. Like, uh, have you have you heard? Have you? Do you remember your mom? And he's like, of yeah. course I remember my mom. Yeah. <laughs> well, your mom's been asking about you. Yeah. You, how about we meet in the kitchen at eight o'clock? Yeah, if you can swing it. If well, you can uh, swing it. Yeah, breakfast exactly. date. Yeah. <laughs> it's a date then. <laughs> it made me laugh. Um, and that's all we see of him. And yeah, it's literally the only time we see. Him. I don't think we ever see his mom. Nope. Uh, the. Um, 
Well, there was oh. a teacher that said he had a special relationship with a 16-year-old student. Yeah, that, that was what I was going to say. The, the yeah. teacher's perving on the students and, and yeah, making really inappropriate comments. About or at them. least he's letting it continue. Like, he's letting this girl send him poems. Yes, exactly. And then poems, as he children. says, as he says... I'm getting poems from a 16-year-old student. He bites into a pastry in a very uh, yeah. suggestive way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, all the kids in this movie are normal-looking lugs, as we said. Uh, I, I felt like, yeah, this movie feels like... Gr- Gregory almost feels like if Alfie wasn't a sociopath. I may have already said that. <laughs> but, like, if, if Alfie was written as, like, a, a an obvious character in the sense that he wasn't, like causing a lady to have an abortion that he was just like kind of devil may care ladies man Alfie wasn't causing a lady to have an abortion he'd be Gregory yeah I, oh, think, I mean I think there's other differences and I also pointed out to you I, I we haven't watched it yet but this movie is like what what it's like a prequel to train spotting it's like what before all the boys got into heroin this is like what they were like they were all just kind of fun friends <laughs> having adventures together I like it I'm in I, I think that the guy that looks like Ethan Hawke would be uh um uh what's his name Ewan Bremner's character uh, before I finish this movie, I thought they should rename this movie Dorothy, not Gregory's Girl. But now that I've seen the end of it, it makes sense because it's not Susan's boy. About, yeah, Susan's fella. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, when they're talking about the girls, so yeah, when when she's on the field for the first time and uh, uh, Andy's complaining about girls in soccer that's not right, and then he starts talking about, uh, or I think uh, Gregory talks about like how they play field hockey and how they're animals in field hockey. That made me laugh. But yeah. yes, exactly. It's like you said, some women's sports. They do not play light. And then and then Gregory says, you know, come on, Andy, modern girls, modern boys. It's tremendous. Yeah. Someday there'll be no genders at all. Someday and, there'll be no girls, no boys. We'll just all be the same and people. Then, and then Andy says something like, well, girls are meant to play football. They shouldn't have put their tits there. Yeah. <laughs> I did notice that she was running around. She was bouncing a bit, but I bet you that was before like sports bra technology had you know really peaked. Well, sports bra technology peaked in 1981. Ah, so, oh, so yeah. she's almost there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and of course. And, of course, the, the awkward touches that uh, Gregory gives her, like, when he's like, hey, yeah, good job. And he, like, awkwardly, like, touches her shoulder. And she's like, you can just kick the ball out to me. You don't yeah, have to yeah. come out and bring lo- it to me. I love his gear, too. Yeah, his, his, his little short shorts yeah. with his ma- mighty skinny legs. And, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and and he's clearly just, like, not making no attempt to stop the ball. Like, yeah. when, when she's practicing doing like, goals. Oh, hey, him. good job. Yeah. Oh, no, great. Actually, I should have mentioned this when we played the clip, but when... When she's showing um, the scar on her knee, and he's saying, oh, I can only move my arm like this, I know you haven't seen it, but that is like, that's Jaws. Oh, yeah? That is the comparing the scars scene in Jaws. Hey, I've seen Chasing Amy, so I've seen a scene heavily based on that scene. A hundred percent, because the thing where he says he can't move his arm, that's that's almost verbatim one of the stories in that movie. So, I mean, Bill Forsyth... I see your Steven Spielberg love. He's a big love, a big fan and, of Jaws. And I like it. <laughs> I like it. Uh, we pointed out while we were watching the clip, too, and when they're in the locker room, he um, when she walks in, he covers, he's like, ah, oh, he's like, because he has his shirt off, and he uses just one finger each to cover each of his nipples. <laughs> right. Yeah. And in my mind, I'm just picturing him having no pants on and just having his dick hanging out, but he's covering his nipples with each with one finger. <laughs> So, uh, and then, of course, we mentioned the dude making the pastries for the headmaster. I thought that, that guy was interesting, that character. He didn't get a whole lot of screen time, the, the buddy that cooks. But, uh, yeah, is he the same guy that was washing, washing the windows, or is that a different character? 
That was a different character. That was Bill- Billy. Billy, the fucking creep Billy. That yeah, we a, didn't talk about Billy. That was another teacher-student relationship. Yeah, no, well, okay, so clearly Bill- Billy's one of their buddies, and Billy clearly is either dropped out of school or was older than them and graduated. He's, he's done school. He's yeah. done school anyways, and so he's taking a job with his window washer, and so he, like, ends up going to the window of the classroom and is making eyes at the, at the teacher, that his former teacher, and she's, like, reciprocating that oh, yeah. flirting. Hardcore, and we see what kind of creep Billy is actually a little bit later when we meet Madeline for the first time because Madeline's waiting outside the school for Gregory, and Bill Billy's standing there and he sees her and he walks up to her and he pulls out a pack of cigarettes and pulls the cigarette out and to a ten year old girl goes cigarette <laughs> and she goes no thank you and he's he basically like, hits right. on her until he yeah he basically out who hits, she is. he's like oh so what are you doing here you know like what's going on yeah, yeah. <laughs> hitting on a fucking ten year old girl so creepy and then for some reason this place. Good patriotic music. Scotland forever, baby. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sorry, guys. I am obsessed with my soundboard. (laughs) I just like Scotland forever. I'll listen to that any day. Past the sulfuric acid. That's right. Uh, yeah, past the sulfuric acid, that's cool. It's, it's very casual. But yeah, you know. Oh, the, by the way, the guy who's like, the guy you said he's making eyes at, you know, the teacher. And yeah. he Billy. basically hits on, uh, Billy, and he basically hits on Madeline. Um, he also makes an argument that like window washers are uh, basically uh, irresistible to women. <laughs> because, yeah, I guess. Because they can spy on them. Lonely housewives, and these window washers come by every day, and you know, they got nothing else to do. And he's like, I'm going to pick up all the women. He, by the way, this guy... He's definitely a virgin, too. <laughs> There's a lot of virgins in this movie. Yeah. Um, so we mentioned when uh, the coach, Menzies, goes to the headmaster, and of course he apologizes for being early, and that's kind of <laughs> funny. Yeah. They have a scene that I think basically boils down to the headmaster pulling him into the office to say, you have a girl on the soccer team. I trust that you will not let all your students take turns fucking her in the locker room. Yeah, because that's, that's what I mean. That's not what they say, but that is the entire thrust of that scene. Well, but but, but do you remember how he responds to that? Because he says something like, "What are you going to do about the shower situation?" Yeah. He's like, "Oh well, make her bring her own soap." Yeah, <laughs> like he has no idea yeah, what's he, going on. He doesn't even enter the coach. His head. Like you said, like you used the term earlier, he's kind of a cuck. Yeah, <laughs> and he's very naive. Yes, absolutely. And everyone thinks he's an idiot. <laughs> um, oh, and uh, you'll run out of vice by the time you're twelve. That, that was what he said in the scene. Oh, when he said to the the boy, yeah, yeah. boy, that made me laugh. Oh yeah, is is the is the photo guy drinking fucking photo chemicals in there? Because he has like a beaker of shit, and he's take, he's like, you want to drink? And he's like, no, thank you. And he's swinging. It's like, is that is he just drinking photo chemicals? Is that why he's so weird? And we didn't even really talk about but about that. But there's a whole like little subplot where the um, the guy doing the photographs for the newspaper, yeah. I mean the reporter, the school newspaper, wants to do a story on Dorothy, and really he just wants to fuck her. Yeah. And, they all do. Yeah. And, but then they end up, like, selling the photos. There's a whole operation. Oh, yeah. There's yes. a whole backdoor operation in the men's washroom. Yes, that washroom is wonderful. They're selling photos of Dorothy, they're among selling, other things. They're selling photos of Dorothy. They're selling, like, food that the that the chef guy has been making like, yeah. and selling in the bathroom. That it, It's the boys' room, right? So people are smoking. But there's, like, two 12-year-old kids in the background smoking a pipe. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, somebody stole their dad's pipe and they're puffing away on the pipe. 
<laughs> made me laugh. Oh, that is just it's ridiculous. And that's like another thing too that um, gets turned on its head a bit because you'd expect you know you go in the men's washroom and this kind of movie you see people like smoking weed or yeah. you know doing drugs or getting bullied and that's not what this is at all. No, they're they're selling spank pictures in the bathroom and smoking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, that's it actually. I've, I've, we talked about just about everything else. Bray girl gets a kiss for her troubles. And then the hitching to Caracas. Yeah, Caracas. and then he he uh, he makes up with uh, Susan by the end of the movie. Yeah. Um, so this movie uh, does not go to the Oscars. Oh. But it does go to the Baftas. This movie is nominated for Best Director, Best Film, and Best Newcomer for John Gordon Sinclair. Uh, does not win any of those, but it does win Best Original Screenplay. Nice. Which I think is a nice thing for it to get. Sure. Um, critics, I mean, critics love this movie. Roger Ebert said gregory's girl is a charming innocent very funny little movie about the weird kid the movie contains so much wisdom of being alive and teenage and vulnerable that maybe it would be it would even be painful for a teenager to see it mm. maybe only grown-ups should see this movie you know people who have gotten over the pains of unrequited love in parentheses <laughs> hollow laugh <laughs> i love roger Ebert. he's great <laughs> we miss him oh we sure do i yeah even when i disagree with him i love him he was his reviews were always fascinating and good reads uh, the staff at Variety said, Filmmaker Bill Forsyth, whose friendly, unmalicious approach recalls that of Renee Claire, is concerned with young students seeking out the opposite sex. As Gregory, John Gordon Sinclair is adept at physical comedy. Hepburn is properly enig- enigmatic as the object of his desire, with an ensemble approach giving Greg's precocious 10-year-old sister, played by Alison Forster, a key femme role. Damn. And finally, Richard Scorman, another critic, said Forsyth does a good job of making light of the tender part in Gregory's teenage psyche, and his friends and little sister in particular are quirky and lovable. Unlike the film's American counterparts, Mm. Gregory's girl is refreshingly free of mean-spirited characters and horny young studs bemoaning their virginity. That's it. Yeah, there's nobody in this movie that feels totally shitty. Yeah. You know, who's the shittiest person in this movie? I mean, not I can't even, I, I was gonna say Andy, but I can't. Yeah, like he doesn't. He doesn't seem like he means terribly. He's pretty harmless. He's like, just a I don't think kid. I don't think he's ever the kind of person that's gonna go to a party and have a devil and an angel on his shoulder uh, debating if he should uh, take advantage of a passed out girl. Come on, fucker! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is not a flounder. Uh, no, flounder. What the fuck is his name? Uh, Trout. No, flounder. Flounder. Stephen. Stephen Frears or yeah. whatever that guy's name. I don't is. remember. I don't know. It's the other guy. Yeah. But, yeah, don't see him as that. Um, I'll tell you, this movie, the budget for this movie, was $200,000, which, you know, not a lot. No. Um, the box office, though, this thing made 25.8 million pounds. Ooh, okay, that's a ter- that is a return. This was a giant hit. Um, a giant hit. And, and rightfully so. somehow a movie I'd never heard about until today. I know, today. me neither. But that's cool. I'm glad I watched it. Um, so, Jason... What do you think, Gregory's Girl? Loved it. Loved it. I I complained about the soundtrack, but that's so incidental. (laughs) If if this had, like, a Richard Linklater-style, like, period soundtrack, I'd be even more down. But otherwise, like, yeah, this is fantastic. I I love this sort of movie. You know, as a a boy who came of age at one time, I love coming-of-age movies. You know, Mm -hmm. your Stand By Me's, your uh, uh, Sandlot. Your Pootie Tang's. Uh, Pootie Tang, of course, the most relevant coming-of-age movie. Um, but yeah, so that fits right into this, and, yeah. and I like it a lot, and I wish there was more movies like this to kind of... Like, like I'd like to see something like this to reflect the current era, something as genuine but set in the current era. I will... Well, you know what? I'll recommend 
a movie to you right now. Sure. Um, an American uh, teen comedy, sort of. Can't uh, hardly wait. A few years ago. Yeah. It's, <laughs> holds up to this day. Uh, no, from a few years ago. It's called Edge of 17. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really, really good. And Woody Harrelson's in it, too. Oh. Yeah, so check it out. Teens love Woody Harrelson. <laughs> no, it's a great movie, and it doesn't treat uh, the the intended audience like morons. Good. So that's nice. Um, so there you go. Um, it's number 30. How do you yeah. feel about that? That's an interesting... Yeah, that's a, that's a high number. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it I, might be unique in the genre, though, in this list. Yeah, I, I don't know if we've... Have we watched any other, like, really, like, coming-of-age style movies? I mean, Cass... Yeah, Cass. But I mean, I can't even for ladies, like yeah. Women in Love? No, I guess they're all of age. I, maybe Taste of Honey, kind yeah, of? Yeah, yeah, Taste of Honey That's for sure. It's more of like a kitchen she sink, She comes of though. age and gets pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's more... Yeah, That's more uh, kitchen sink. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Angry Young Woman and stuff. Like, this this man. movie also has... It's it's not it's not soaked in nostalgia in the same way something like uh, 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 Stand By Me is, because that yeah. was an 80s movie that was set in the 50s, and this is an 80s movie set in the 80s, but I'm sure there's a certain nostalgia for people who went to school in Scotland for this movie. Mm-hmm. It just probably reminds them of that era. Uh, with the haircuts, Jesus, the haircuts. Andy has so much hair. Oh yeah, he's Andy, the, got the massive fucking hair. I thought Gregor had a lot of hair, and then Andy shows up. Like, Jesus, how do you see? Yeah, and and even Dorothy at one point has like the whole feather, like Farrah Fawcett seventies, oh, yeah. like look. Yeah, and then if you don't have that, you basically have like a bowl cut. Yeah, or or your Coach Menzies with his crustache. <laughs> <laughs> I love the crustache. What did you call it again? The Justin Justin number five. Okay, perfect. That's a joke for only Justin. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um so yeah no I, I i could agree with you i think this movie's great mm-hmm. um it's uh it's nice to see this kind of movie represented like you yeah. said i don't think we have a lot of coming of age stuff on this on this list um what i will ask you though right mm-hmm. now point blank gun to your head um <laughs> not jason it's out for real right now all right uh and i know you like both movies yeah but I'm going to say, if you had to cut one Bill Forsyth movie out of the two, which one would you keep on the list? Uh, this one. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Came that quick. I like Local Hero a lot, but I think this one is just is just that much better of a movie. Okay. So I guess I got to answer two, eh? <laughs> you asked the question. I know, right? I don't want to. I know a, that's a tough. It's a tough. Uh, I don't want to be. A it's dick. a tough one, and I don't say that lightly, even as quickly as I did say it. But uh, yeah. yeah, I just like this one a little more. I do love Local Hero. I did really like this movie, though, especially more than I predicted I would. Yeah. I, th- I think I gotta go. I think I gotta agree with you. Um, but I think if we're if we're having fun with this, yeah, I feel like you could make an argument to keep both because yeah. you could say that they are very radically different. They are in absolutely. terms of like what they cover. Their, their um, approach. I mean, they it, it's similar in that it's in Scotland and it's full of people that look like real people. And I mean, and... how many fucking David Lee movies do we have on this list? Yeah, exactly. We can easily <laughs> cut a few of those. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think I think I'm with you. If we had to keep one, I think I'd probably stick with Gregory's Girl. But um, that was Gregory's Girl. Watch it now. Find it. your local blockbuster. Absolutely. I mean, I don't and... think it's too too hard to find it's out there somewhere everybody's local blockbuster now is the one in bend oregon <laughs> sure is that a blockbuster Th- that's still? the last blockbuster wow yet. they sell merch you can buy like blockbuster jogging pants and blockbuster hats. how do they exist uh they are an independent because blockbuster oh. had corporate stores but it also had independent franchisees and gotcha. this is an independent franchisee do they still is- make money 
they must they they must make enough to stay open, or the wow. the person that runs it must be willing to dump money into it. That's incredible. Yeah. Well, Jason, we come to that point in the show, yeah, and it looks like it's your turn because we are going to roll some dice. And right. why we are rolling the dice, Jason, is because when we roll these dice, it is going to give us a number on the BFI top 100 list, and that number is. The, the movie that corresponds with that number is the movie that we are going to talk about next week. So, Jason, this is very exciting. Very! Very, very exciting. I think we're 56 movies in at this point. Yeah. Um, so, we're almost coming up on another, uh, our annual... Annual? No. Our periodical Period. ranking yeah. of the uh, 20 movies that we last covered. I think this, by the way, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to scare anyone. But I think this tw- group of twenty might be the best one so far. It's been a good group of twenty for sure. We've yeah, had a lot of we, we haven't had anything that we've really disliked. I would say no, nothing it reaches English patient levels. Even some, even the thing at the bottom of my list, I'm like, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Exactly. So let's do it. Let's roll the tens d10, which is the green one. Yeah, and, and the ones d10 is the, the red, red one because it's Christmas. Focus that in your head. So green. Here we go. That's a 40. We're in the okay, 40s. We're in the 40s. Let's just see if we have... Oh, we have actually quite a bit here, so we'll probably right. get something. 49. I uh, take it back. We already did Shakespeare in Love. All right. I don't want to do that one again. All hey, right. you liked it. It was all right. 80. Is there any 80s left? Ooh, not too many. 88. No, sorry, 83. 83 is Darling. We've already done yeah, Darling. Yeah, we have already done Darling. All right, so... Here we go, number 20s. Number 20s. Oh, okay. Yep, we got a couple. Oh, no. Uh, 21. The 21? 21, yeah. We've already done Long Good Friday. All right. 86. Okay, we've got one, Jason. What do we got? We're watching 1953's Genevieve. Genevieve. Yes, it is a, uh, I believe it is a comedy. Oh. I believe it is a road comedy. Oh, um, it, I like road comedy. When I read the plot, it, sa- it sounded a little bit like it's a mad, 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 mad world. Okay. So, we'll check that out. Must be all right. Genevieve, 1953. Rent it today at Jumbo Video. <laughs> um, or Rogers Video. <laughs> Maybe we'll define this one somewhere. I Check don't know. it out at Zodiac Video in Toronto, Nova Scotia. That's right. You can go to Zodiac Video. You can rent a copy of Jabberwocky on VHS, or you can get a tan. Sounds Zodiac like... Video, we haven't existed for 15 years. Sounds like a Tuesday afternoon to me. <laughs> for me, it was a Tuesday. God damn it. God damn it, Bison. Get out of here. Get out of here. Uh, okay, so that's what we'll talk about next week. Genevieve. Um, but Jason... They can find us on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Search for For Screen. They can find us on uh, they can find us on Twitter at BFI underscore pod. They can find you on Twitter at Jason D. McLeod. That's M-A-C-L-E-O-D. Check me out for retweets of accidentally left wing. Yeah. <laughs> and and he also uh tells he he does Jason see what he does on his Twitter is a public service. He actually um gives a lot of information on how to vet boys. Um if you're a girl and you want to vet this uh-huh. boy on you know, if he's yeah. a good guy, uh Jason has a walkthrough. You wanna um, you wanna you wanna present him to all your girly friends and if he fucks one of them, he's an asshole. Yeah. 
It's like a Nintendo 64 walkthrough. That's right. <laughs> what? <laughs> Get the game fact for girls. Yeah, gregoryfacts.com. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, check that out. Check out Jason on Twitter. Yeah. Check out us on Twitter. Check out us on Facebook. But until then, I've just got to say to you... God save the queen. God save the screen. And for Screening Country, I'm Brendan. And I'm Jason. It's Gregory's Girl. Gregory's Girl. And Jason steals my bit. I stole Brendan's bit. It was really good. I play along with the charade. <laughs> the charade that is Jason stealing my bit. I thought of that bit last night real good, and then he came into the room and it stole it from my head. Bye. And he's watching me with those eyes, and I summon stuff in my butt, and I just know it. Take this pink ribbon off my eyes. I'm exposed, and it's no big surprise.